the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, folks, I want to point out to you that this type of anger is not not just ordinary anger. What Jonah had was the worst and most dangerous kind of anger that a true believer can ever experience. Jonah's anger was the anger of self-righteousness, the anger of pride, the anger of arrogance that thinks that he's better than others. On Verse by Verse today, Pastor Steve will conclude this series on the book of Jonah. Every chapter is full of amazing insights into how God works. If you stop and think about it, it seems crazy to disagree with God about something. It's even crazier to get mad at God about something. We've probably all been there at some time in our lives. Usually it's when he puts us through a really difficult circumstance that we think we don't deserve. So we say, it's not fair. But Jonah experiences a tremendous revival when almost the entire city of Nineveh repents and turns to God. What is there to get mad about? Why does Jonah get all stirred up? It seems like he's got his values all messed up. He's like us that way. We can show more compassion on a stray dog than on a lost person in Africa or Asia somewhere. We cry more about our favorite sports team losing a big game than about thousands who die every day and go out into a Christless eternity. This is not going to be an easy message to listen to today. We need to be sensitive to God's convicting work And we need to be ready to change the way we look at the world and the way we look at things. But first, we need to be ready to change the way we look at God and the way we look at ourselves. Here's Pastor Steve. Well, tonight we want to close our study of Jonah and we come to chapter 4. So let's turn there. And as we come to chapter 4, we really discover that this is the most puzzling part of the entire book. In the previous chapters, you'll recall, we discovered that the entire city of Nineveh, thousands and thousands of people repented at the preaching of Jonah. Jesus affirmed that, and and Jonah said that. So thousands of people came to know the Lord and experienced the grace of God in salvation. Now, most of us would have given, given anything to be used of God like that. It would have been the thrill of our lives. It would have been the highlight of our lives to say that that God used me to share his message with these people, and amazingly, miraculously, they repented. We would have been overjoyed. We would have been elated. As I said, we would have thought this was the highlight of our lives. Many of us would have said, Lord, my life is complete. You can take me home now. It can't get any better than this. But amazingly, when chapter 4 opens, Jonah isn't elated. He's angry again. He's angry with God. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1 says this, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. And when chapter 4 closes, this man is not only still angry, but he's pouting and he's filled with self-pity 
because he didn't get his way. One Bible teacher captured the picture that God presents of Jonah in chapter 4 by describing him as, and I quote, a prophet who could have been legendary, being reduced to a whimpering, sniffling whiner, throwing a tantrum. That's exactly what Jonah is. He's like a, a little baby pouting. Now, this may surprise you to see Jonah this way, because as you'll recall, in chapter 2, we are told that Jonah repented. He repented. He's in the stomach of this fish, and he cries out to the Lord, a cry of repentance. He has repented of his sin of disobeying God and not going to Nineveh, and he has repented of his sin of being angry with God. The, the entire chapter of chapter 2 is his prayer of repentance from the belly of the fish. And in chapter 3, we see that Jonah was serious about this. He followed through on his repentance, and he, and he went to Nineveh, and he preached to them in obedience to God. But now, as chapter 4 opens, he's back to being angry with God. So, questions, does this mean that Jonah's repentance wasn't real? Was he faking it just to get out of the fish? No, I don't think so. It simply means that Jonah was a man just like us just like us, with the same kind of struggles that we have. How often have we repented of some sin only to fall back into it again and again and sometimes again? And that is precisely what has happened to Jonah after he preached to the Ninevites. He started thinking about it. He fell back into his old sinful attitude of thinking that God should have just judged these people rather than bestowing his mercy and grace upon them. And so, in the closing chapter of the book, we see God once again driving home, one more time, another lesson to Jonah on compassion. And he's driving home. I mean, this has been really the point of of all of these chapters, to tell us one lesson after another to Jonah, for Jonah's sake, for Israel's sake, for our sake, about compassion. Remember, the Lord has already given Jonah a number of lessons on his mercy by demonstrating his great compassion in a number of ways. First, in chapter 1, he showed mercy by saving the souls of some pagan sailors who happened to come in contact with Jonah. Then in chapter 2, he mercifully saved Jonah from drowning in the Mediterranean Sea by miraculously sending this this specially created fish to swallow him alive. And then in chapter 3, he demonstrated his incredible compassion by sending revival on an entire population of unreached people so that they were spared his judgment. But as chapter 4, as we said, opens, we see the prophet, like so many of us, being a slow learner because he's fallen back into his own his old ways. He needs another lesson on compassion, and God's going to give it to him and to us and to all of God's people. So let's begin by looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. What displeased Jonah? The revival, the salvation of these folks. And he became angry, prayed to the Lord, and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? Now let's stop here. As we just said, the chapter opens up with Jonah being angry, annoyed, quite upset at God for doing what Jonah thought God shouldn't do. This has been his problem all along. 
He believed he knew what was best, and he believed God was wrong in being gracious and compassionate to the evil people of Nineveh. In fact, he is so angry that he asked God to just take his life. Now, what he means by this is, look, God, life is not worth living if you're going to now start saving Gentiles, so just take my life. I don't even want to live if that's the way you're going to behave. And that's really what he's asking God to do. Now, God is compassionate and doesn't take his life, but that's what he's asking. Now, folks, I want to point out to you that this type of anger is not not just ordinary anger. What Jonah had was the worst and most dangerous kind of anger that a true believer can ever experience. Jonah's anger was the anger of self-righteousness, the anger of pride, the anger of arrogance that thinks that, that he's better than others. He knew that God's character was compassion and mercy. He's, that's what he admits in verse 2. He knows about God, and he had no problem being on the receiving end of God's grace in his own life. He has no problem with that. He's never complained to the Lord about saving his soul and being compassionate with him or to his fellow Jewish people in Israel. But he's got a serious problem with God being compassionate to the brutally cruel Gentile Ninevites. See, Jonah's problem is one that that if Christians are honest, we have to admit that at times we struggle with. Jonah felt that he was morally superior to the Ninevites. He felt that the Ninevites were so wicked that they didn't deserve to experience God's grace in their lives. And you know what? The truth is, they didn't deserve God's grace. Nobody deserves God's grace. That's why grace is grace. We're all undeserving of it. But Jonah didn't quite see that at this point. Though he was a sinner who had experienced God's saving grace in his own life, amazingly, he begrudges the grace of God at work in the lives of these people. Now, just in case you think that that you are above this, and this could never happen to you, that you would begrudge someone God's grace in their life, just keep in mind, and I said this earlier in the week, that every time someone sins against us and we refuse to forgive that person because they've hurt us so deeply, we're acting just like Jonah because in refusing to forgive others, we have temporarily forgotten how wicked we are, and how much God has forgiven us in Christ. It is always the height of of self-righteousness when we don't forgive others. I'm reminded of what Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4. He said that, that we are to forgive others as we have been forgiven by God in Christ. That means magnanimously. That means totally. That means unconditionally in that context. See, self-righteousness plagues every one of us. And Jonah is like that man in the parable of Matthew 18, who, although the king forgave this man of his huge, incredibly large debt, this man turned around and refused to forgive the, the relatively small debt that was owed to him. It, it all goes back to self-righteousness. And we need to remember that we are just sinners saved by grace. Jonah was no better than the Ninevites. Now, maybe he didn't do those things outwardly, but in his heart, he was just as wicked. We must not think that it's fine for God to show us mercy, but it's not fine for God to show the same mercy to those people who are really, really bad. Because you know what, folks? We're all from the same lump of clay. We're all sinners. All of us are sinners who deserve to spend eternity in hell being punished for our sins. And we can never fully be punished for our sins. That's why hell is eternal. It'll never end. That's how wicked we are, and that's how holy God is. And Jonah's forgotten that God loves to show compassion on sinful people. His sinful pride has blinded him to the great truth that God's compassion is for wicked sinners like himself. 
like us, like the Ninevites. And so after expressing his anger to God, the prophet does something fascinating at this point. He leaves the city and builds a shelter for himself east of Nineveh. Notice verse 5. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. Now, what's Jonah doing? We're told that he, he went east of the city, built a little booth or a shelter, probably a crude little little shelter, and he's watching the city of Nineveh from a distance. Why is he doing that? What did he, what did he think was going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what he thought. He's hoping that God will change his mind and destroy the city after all. He's hoping that his little temper tantrum might have manipulated God. Maybe I'll get my way. Maybe God will respond to my little tirade, and he'll decide, after all, to judge Nineveh. That's what he's doing. He is watching, hoping that his little pouting will have some effect on God. But God can't be manipulated. Look what God does for Jonah while he's waiting and watching, hoping that Nineveh will be destroyed. This is just amazing. Verse 6, so the Lord appointed a plant. It's just just little weed here, to grow up over Jonah to be a shade over his head and deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plan. Once again, this is another miracle that God has has done, because in verse 10, we read that this plan grew overnight. No, no plan just grows overnight. I mean, there are fast-growing plans, but nothing that grows overnight so that it would cover a, a man. This is another miracle. Now, think about this, because this is amazing. Jonah's watching and waiting for God to pour down wrath on the Ninevites. He's looking for destruction. He's hoping for it. And what does God do? He demonstrates his mercy in the life of this wicked prophet, rebellious, reluctant, stubborn prophet, by doing something so kind as to provide shade, so thoughtful. He provides shade for him from the intense Middle Eastern sun. Now, folks, that, that is compassion. That's mercy. And Jonah doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Verse 6 tells us that Jonah was very happy about this. I don't think he, he really got the lesson at this point, but he's very happy. And of course, he's happy about it because as someone said, he's perfectly, he was perfectly happy for God to show grace to a sinner just as long as he was the sinner. He likes that. And this happiness is quite a change. We've not seen Jonah happy throughout this book. For most of the book, he's done nothing but complain and, and whine about God's compassion. But now he's extremely happy. Why? Because God's compassion has made him very comfortable. But he still doesn't get it. And I hope you get it, that God is so kind to us in the little things. Those are his statements of mercy in our lives. How dare we not be merciful to others? But this happiness was very short-lived, verses 7 and 8. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plants, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all of his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Now, why would God do this? Can't God make up his mind? Of course. God knows exactly what he's, what he's doing. He did this in order to teach Jonah a very valuable lesson. And it's the same lesson that he's been driving home to Jonah throughout this entire episode of his life. And what is it? Verse 
9. This is a lesson that God has. You understand what's happened. First there was mercy of shade. Now God raises up. A worm destroys the plant. Jonah's hot. Now the sun is beating on him. He says, I want to I wanna die. I want to die. I'm going to die in this intense heat. You might as well take my life now. Verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plants? And, and listen to this guy. He said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. I'm justified in this. I think I would have given Jonah what he was asking for, but uh, God is, is far more compassionate than I am. So God asked Jonah if he has a good reason to be angry about this, this plant, this weed, this gourd being destroyed. And Jonah says, yes, I have every right to be angry because this intense sun and heat is going to kill me. So you might as well take my life right now so I don't have to suffer anymore. Now, what's Jonah's problem? Listen, this has been the problem the whole time. He is totally self-focused. It's all about him. He's feeling sorry for himself. He's having a little pity party. And, and with the plant gone, he no longer has protection from the sun. And he's not only feeling sorry for himself, amazingly, this man is feeling sorry for the plant that was just destroyed by the worm. He has compassion on the worm, uh, on the plants. And in admitting this, God now has exposed Jonah for what he really is, a self-centered, self-focused sinner. And he rebukes the prophet by exposing his wicked heart and telling him, and watch this, that his values are totally distorted. Verses 10 and 11. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plants for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? He probably means the children there. And so there were probably closer to 600,000 people, but 120,000 children who were too young to understand the difference between their left and right hands. But the point that you need to see is that God is saying, in essence, to Jonah, Jonah, you care more about a plant than about a whole city of people. That's your problem. You care more about the destruction of this one weed, which you didn't make, than about thousands of people that I created. And you begrudge me mercy demonstrated towards the people I created, and you care about this gourd that grew up overnight. You had nothing to do with it. It's here today, gone tomorrow. See, what God is is telling the prophet is so absolutely relevant for us today. He's rebuking the prophet for having a warped set of values. Jonah cared more about a plant that provided him with some shade than for people who were made in the image of God. Do you see the wickedness in all this? This This is a wicked wicked expression of a man's heart. Jonah actually has compassion upon a silly plant. That's what God is saying. It's, it's just a weed that was destroyed, but he has no compassion for thousands of people who were made in the image of God. And, and don't think that this attitude doesn't prevail today. This is our society, by the way. There are plenty of people in our society who care more about ecology and saving trees than they do about people. And there are many people today in our society who care more about protecting animals than about protecting the lives of the unborn. This is our world. 
And that's a warped sense of values. And we understand when society believes like that. I don't expect anything better from society, but God's people must not be like the world in their thinking. And that's Jonah's problem. He has entered into the prevailing warped sense of values that the world has. Our compassion is to be for people, not things. Now, what does Jonah 4 say to us in relation to missions and evangelism? It tells us that we are just like Jonah when we care more about things and our creature comforts than we do about the salvation of the lost. And we at times in America can be very, very guilty of that. You see, what keeps us from reaching the unreached is not a lack of money. There's plenty of money amongst Christians in our country. It's not a lack of information about the needs on the mission field. We know more about missions today in our world than any generation. And it's not even a lack of, of vision. People do have vision. They do understand the needs. They, they do understand what needs to be done. The problem is pure selfishness. It's just being selfish. We are just like Jonah when we care more about ourselves and our personal comforts than about the souls of people. That's the problem. That's the real issue. When we care more about making life pleasant for ourselves than about showing compassion upon the lost by sharing the gospel with them, whatever it takes, whatever comforts we have to give up, whatever sacrifices we have to make, if we don't do that, then we're being just like Jonah. Now, the book of Jonah ends quite abruptly. That's it. When we come to verse 11, there's no verse 12. It just ends. God asked Jonah a question, but you know what? We're never given an answer. By Jonah. Now, I would assume that Jonah did repent and, and got things straightened out based on the fact that he wrote this book. I could hardly imagine him writing this book if he's still in this state of rebellion. But God asked Jonah a question, and the question is not answered. It, it's just left hanging. It's left hanging. And you know why I think it's left hanging? It's left hanging for us to answer. It's a question that God originally was asking Israel, and he's asking us today. And essentially, God's question to Jonah and to all of us is this, do you care more about things than about showing compassion upon the lost? Do you care more about things, creature comforts, other things in life than about showing compassion on the lost, reaching the unreached? That's, that's the real question. I hope that each of us will answer God in our own hearts and prayer lives by saying, no, Lord, I care more about the salvation of the lost than living comfortably and gaining more material things for myself. I care so much about showing your compassion to the lost that I am willing to do whatever you want me to do in reaching out to the unreached. You know, folks, that's what our, our global outreach conference is about. It's, it's to inform us, but, but it's also to expose us to the truth so that we might have a heart that says, Lord, whatever it takes, Whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to give, whatever, wherever you want me to go, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm open, and I'm willing, and I'm not like Jonah. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for not only exposing Jonah's heart, sinful, wicked, self-centered, but thank you for exposing our own hearts. The Word of God does lay bare our hearts and souls and there's nothing hidden from your sight. Lord, we are guilty so many times like Jonah of caring more about the things of this world, about being comfortable, about material possessions, about pleasant things for ourselves than we do about the lostness of man. And I pray that this book will be used of you to deal with us, that we might say, Lord, we repent of that 
and we are willing to do whatever you want us to do to reach the unreached. Lord, may it not be simply an emotional response, but it may, be, may it be a response that comes out of conviction borne by the Holy Spirit and the work of grace in our own lives. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the privilege we've had of studying this book and help us not to be like this prophet, but to be compassionate to those who are still unreached. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Verse by Verse today, where we've been listening to a message series on the book of Jonah by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to know more, you'll find lots of information and resources on our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can even find previous broadcasts of Verse by Verse that you can download. Maybe you'll want to share the series on Jonah with a friend. Just give us a call at 727-239-0306 and we'll send it to you. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported radio ministry, so we depend upon you, our listeners, to help us cover the costs involved in producing and airing these radio Bible classes. We're very grateful to each of you who give to support this ministry. Call us if you would like to partner with us through prayer or a financial gift. For Pastor Steve and the rest of the staff here, I'm Jerry Pruden, inviting you to join us next time on Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We're here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.